0: It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at Sleepy J underscore pregame. Joined here by the football guru, football fanatic, got Chris Dell in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter as well, at Mad Journalist. It is M-A-D-D Journalist. You guys could always get us at BettingPredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. AFC-NFC Championship. Uh, Chris and I are going to go ahead and talk through some props. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead, we're going to go through the quarterbacks first, then the running backs, then the tight ends, wide receivers, and then finally we'll go ahead and we'll talk about some defense and some special teams. Chris, uh, I feel like it's been forever since we've done a podcast. I'm just going to take a wild guess and say, I don't know, man, maybe eight, nine weeks since we sat down and did a podcast. It's been too long, but uh, I'm sure our listeners are a little bit pissed off at the both of us.
1: <laughs> yeah, we have some people message us being like, hey, what happened to the money picks and... Uh- It was just both of our schedules got too crazy. I was doing full-time World Cup coverage for another website, and you've been doing the NBA pod on weekends with Max. So we both got inundated with new work that we hadn't been doing in the past. So just a short-term blip on the radar. No more more, uh, World Cup for four years. So I have a little bit of breathing room now, and we'll look uh, to get back things on schedule here. But uh, I've already given out 10 free bonus props in our Discord, which you can join you can find the link on our website for that to join our free discord betting channel. And I've also given out 10 best bet premium props for our paid subscribers as well. You can find links to both of those on the site. So I'm, I'm 20 props in for two games sleepy. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to roll for championship weekend, man.
0: All right. So as Chris said, ready to roll. Uh, we're going to go ahead. We're going to start out uh, with the quarterbacks. Chris, I'm going to throw it to you first. I know you have a lot of guys that you're looking at right now, guys, you already have wagers on guys that you put in the discord channel. Let's start out with the quarterback that everybody's talking about right now, and that's Patrick Mahomes. A lot of us know what the situation with him is. Um, he's not, not going to be 100%. I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody's probably in line with that. You know The percentage of health where Mahomes is going to be, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not 100% sure. I think you're going to have a lot of you know varying opinions on that. But one thing that we do know is that it's going to be cold in Kansas City. This is the weather report right now, 18 to 20 degrees at kickoff, uh, maybe a little bit of wind, so maybe the wind chill is a little bit impactful. Chris, when it comes to Mahomes, you know, tell me how you're feeling about him, where you think maybe his health is at, any props you have in line. I have two that I really like. These are probably going to be two of the stronger props that I give out on this podcast. But Chris, right now, Mahomes, on everybody's mind, where is he sitting with you right now?
1: Well, Mahomes, he's obviously going to play. Um, obviously, there's a risk for re-injury. So I think that it's really difficult to justify betting overs on Mahomes. That's kind of where I stand with that. Um the way that the Bengals beat the Chiefs last year and also had success this year holding them to 24 points in both games was with the drop eight coverage, which is basically you rush 3 guys on the defensive line and you drop the rest in coverage, right? They're not doing it on every single play, but they're doing it more than actually any team in the league this season. And when you think about it, it's almost like if that's the strategy they want to go to again, it's almost like the perfect scenario with them because the only thing you're worried about in that case is Mahomes getting out and running and scrambling. And if he can't do that, then te- technically the drop eight coverage could work even better than it has in the last two matchups. I expect Lou Anarumo to scheme that up and really test out test out how things are going for Mahomes early on in the contest the Bengals defensive line, I think, is one of the more underrated units in the league. Trey Hendrickson, DJ Reader, really good run stopper, as well as BJ Hill. These guys, these are all big athletic guys that can get pressure on the quarterback. So when they're there's a reason why Cincinnati doesn't rank high in the league when it comes to sacks on the defensive line, it's because they don't blitz often and they usually just rush three guys to the passer. So I, I expect those guys to have a little bit of success here, putting pressure on a less than 100% Mahomes. What percent is he? I don't know, somewhere between 50 to 90% at best. But that's how I kind of see things shaking out. You can bet Mahomes under two and a half passing touchdowns. You can bet him under passing yards. I, I bet him on both. There was a little bit of steam to Mahomes' uh, passing yards over in the last couple of days when we saw him a little bit healthier and walking off the press uh, conference table and all that good stuff. So I missed out on the best number there, probably like b- about five yards. But I still like it anywhere if it's in, like, the 280s, 270s, under, because, again, there's a transfer injury But then he also went under these numbers the last two times they played and has struggled against this Lou Anarumo defense. The Bengals secondary is talented. Uh, they Even though they lost to Dovia who they signed in the offseason, actually, they didn't have him uh, earlier in the year. But they have a really good rookie, Cam Taylor Britt, playing in his place. They have a really good safety rookie. Dax Hill, who was drafted in the first round last summer, who's also been playing well. This is a talented defense top to bottom. So I think not. it's not just the matchup. It's also the fact that Mahomes is hurt. Both those, to me, you only can look under when it comes to Mahomes. That's why I like him under pass touchdowns, under pass yards. I also like Burrow and Mahomes under combined passing yards. That's a head-to-head prop where you can get the, uh, the over-under on combined yards between these two guys. I bet it at 554 and a half, and it's still the same number. It's just slightly under on DraftKings, minus 125. Shop around, I think, some of the offshore books and the prop builders have those lines as well. So those are all the passing props for me when it comes to Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs Bengals game.
0: All right, I'm with you with the Mahomes. I'm a little bit worried about where that line's going to go. Here's what I know is that the minute that Andy Reid went ahead and he did his little interview, then he was like, you know, Patrick's right, uh, he's going to play. Uh, the injury's not as bad as it was. The line moved, and then they showed the Patrick Mahomes press conference where he was walking on stage, and the line moved. And then they put out the little practice video that they had, and, and there goes the line again. So this line is, is continuously going up. That's that's not sharp money going ahead and betting Patrick Mahomes every time they see something on the TV set. The, the wise guys. Uh, are more than likely waiting, probably until uh, he officially gets announced as, you know, he's going to play and, and here's where we think his percentage is at. And, and there's going to be a lot of hoopla going on, you know, pretty much like Saturday, Sunday. Now, I think the passing yards is probably going to run up. Now, it's at 286.5 right now on DraftKings. I don't mind playing that under. As Chris said, he hasn't gone over this number uh, against Cincinnati. And if you count the playoff game, he hasn't gone over this number in three straight games. I honestly don't think anybody can answer, you know, how healthy or unhealthy Mahomes is right now. All we know is that he's alive, he's practiced at some capacity, and have we even seen videos of him dropping back or getting hit, throwing a bomb, you know, cutting, putting any pressure on that foot whatsoever? Um, I haven't seen it, and that's what he's going to need to do in this game. You know, the last we saw Mahomes, he was hopping around on one foot, and he managed to go ahead and get past the Jaguars, give him credit for that, but I'm not in the camp that he's even remotely healthy. I think Mahomes, in my opinion, and a lot of people are going to throw out their percentages, I think he's probably 65%. You know, I was in the camp that he was actually not going to play. But right now, with all the reports going on, 100%, he's, he's going to take the field. So 286.5, though, it, it seems a little high for this game. But let's just say he's 65 70%. Now, how much does Andy Reid actually want him going out there, passing the football, dropping back? I think most of his throws, Chris, are probably going to be very short, getting rid of it fast, getting rid of the ball quick to avoid being hit. So I think Mahomes is going to need a lot of yards after catches, you know, from the wide receivers, from the running backs. I don't see Kansas City getting blown out in this game, so the game script's not going to call for Mahomes, you know, to go ahead and have to throw the entire second half like the Bengals had to do in the playoffs last year. Like I said, the last three meetings against Burrow, Mahomes has gone under this number. Now with a busted ankle and freezing cold, in a game in which you know the oddsmakers are going to end up taking a ton of public money on all the overs, how the hell am I supposed to play this guy over? And nothing says for me to go ahead and do that. So clearly under two eighty six and a half passing yards. If you guys don't want that number and you want to wait, I would probably think maybe it closes maybe somewhere around two ninety one, maybe two ninety five at highest. But you know shop around. If you guys are looking to go ahead and get really crazy, you guys could probably find like a big list line uh, for a middle. You know on both sides. You, know, if you if you bet an over now and, you know, and then you bet the under later. So just something to consider.
1: There's always the chance that he gets hobbled in the game and just misses a series like he did in the divisional round, misses multiple series, misses multiple plays. All these things factor in. There's so Steve mentioned on the podcast that you guys did the other day with you, him and Uncle Dave, there's so many outs to the unders here. And look, when I played the under earlier in the week on the passing yards, there was no guarantee that he would be off the injury report, that he would be walking around like normal. So, process wise, I still feel fine about that. And I still might come back and hit the under again because it's moved almost 10 yards since I bet it. There was a 50 50 chance those things could have gone either way. But when you look at when he's been fully healthy, you mentioned the last three times they paid Sleepy. Basically, Burrow versus Mahomes, Bengals 3 0. In all those games, we have very high point totals at the end 51. 51. And then last year in the regular season, if you remember, 34 to 31, 65 points. He hasn't gone over 275 in any three of those games. And the game he had 275 went into overtime. Well, the other two games that were in regulation, 250s and 230s. So I still like my 276 and a half bet. I'm probably going to go back and bet the under 286 and a half. I don't know if it's, I think it might be done moving. But again, I agree with you. I think if it does move, It'll probably move over again and higher and higher as the public bets more props closer to the weekend. So you gotta bet Mahomes under, in my opinion, unless you just want to stay away from it. But he hasn't gone over this number in three straight games against the Bengals. And in all three of those games, he was fully healthy. So to me, it's just this is just this is just like Joe Schmo public money. They love Mahomes. They see him walking off the podium. They're like, Oh, I'm gonna bet him over. I, I would try to take advantage of that. And if you waited to this point, it's been to your advantage.
0: Yeah. And every time that there's some type of a report that comes out, because he's under a microscope right now, anything that's positive, the the market's going to move in a positive direction uh, in favor of Mahomes. So um, I wouldn't bet it under right now, Chris, at, at 286.5. If I were you, I would continue to wait. But I, like we're doing the pod now. That's the best number out there. So yeah, I like the under 286.5. But me personally, I'm going to wait. I actually bet this under at 271.5. So I actually got a worse number than you, Chris. In line, thinking that he's not going to play, so that's where I was at with all the passing yard stuff with with Mahomes. But here's what I will say: I'm actually going to go ahead. And I'm going to play Mahomes here to go ahead and throw an interception at minus 104, and that is on Fandle right now. Usually, this is actually probably like a small plus money prop with Mahomes. He's an all-world talent. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, and he does most things, you know, at, at, at the highest level other quarterbacks at a high level, you know, those guys can't even do it. But one of the things that worries me with him is let's just say, all right, he's healthy hundred percent. He takes a lot of chances and he gets the ball in the tight windows and he makes miraculous plays, you know, when he's healthy, but this is about his health right now and him thinking that he's Superman. Mahomes has bred himself into making plays doing, you know, doing the unthinkable. That's just who he is. That, that's what he thinks of himself, and, and he goes out there and he pulls a lot of that shit off. If he's unable to go ahead and run effective or, on a, let's just say, effectively be able to push off of his foot, then he's going to end up probably thinking that his arm is stronger than it actually is, that his accuracy is, is better than it actually is, and I can almost see him you know, kind of pushing his mind and, and trying to push his skills to some superhuman Superman type of level And that's going to create him making mistakes. It's going to create him doing too much uh, trying to compensate, you know, for that injury. And in my opinion, things for him probably aren't going to pan out if it comes to I need to get this in this little tiny window or I need to go ahead and do this little underhand pass or something like that. It's not going to be his his normal range of motion. The last time he saw Cincinnati, he threw two interceptions. And it's, it's not like Mahomes throws two interceptions in a game. He's only had 10 of those in his entire career. So I like Mahomes throwing an interception here. That is on Fanduel uh, at minus 105. You have anything else to wrap up Mahomes there, Chris, before we go ahead and jump over to uh, some Joe Burrow stuff?
1: I mentioned I like the combined passing yards under. Uh, I still like that, 554.5, uh, juiced under on DraftKings. And I like Burrow in a head-to-head with Mahomes. Uh, Burrow more passing yards than Mahomes. I will also note that there are no props right now for – Mahomes' longest completion and Mahomes' passing attempts. And I think there's a reason for that. Because of the re-injury factor with the attempts, that one's directly affected uh, if he happens to get hobbled at all during the game and miss any time. And then also the longest completion factor with the drop eight coverage as well as him having limited mobility and not being able to scramble scramble around and make his Mahomes' magic, those things are directly correlated to that injury. So I think there's a reason why. We don't have those props yet, but if he's going to play, I I would think those props got to be released at some point, and I would be looking under on both of those uh, as well. So, yeah, I like Burrow. I think right now with the way the lines have moved, you could probably get Burrow at plus money uh, passing yards versus Mahomes. So I I definitely like that a lot. It, It also has to do with the fact that the Chiefs are a pass funnel defense. They have rookie cornerbacks. They're not very good defending wide receivers, especially on the perimeter which is actually the Bengals' biggest strength on offense. Uh, so I, I really like that as well. Uh, it's just about fading. This is a process play, and you're going to fade the guy with the high ankle sprain. And it makes sense with what you're betting against on the other side in regards to the opponent and regards to the uh, the matchup schematically.
0: Yeah, I looked for the Patrick Mahomes attempts, and I think that that was probably the first prop that every single sharp better was looking for because it's like, hey, they're going to have him up to 38.5. Well, Uh, you know, he's not healthy. The game plan is probably not going to be for Mahomes to go out there and throw the ball, you know, 40 times in this game. And more than likely, they're probably not going to get blown out. So the books were smart. They didn't put that out. And they probably, you know, were sitting around a round table saying, all right, here's the situation with this guy, because they're going to take so much money. I mean, this is, you know, pretty much like a Super Bowl, you know, for the sports books. This is one of the games where they make, I don't want to say all their money, but there's got to be a decent percentage of money that the books make you know, with this particular game and the fact that they didn't put that out, I'm not surprised. That was the first one I looked for. And then uh, on the podcast, I I said the same thing, Chris. I was like, his, his completion, longest completion under is probably a way to go too. So, uh, you know, we're not the only ones thinking about that. The books thought about that too. And and obviously they haven't put that out. I'm not sure if they will put that out on him because they're going to be left on an Island where if they post that late, they're liable to get slammed with nothing but under money and they could end up really lopsided. And, You know, if things don't pan out, that that could be bad for them.
1: It's not as good as a bet, but it's like a consolation. I I still think even under completions is valid because look at Andy Reid's history in the postseason. It's actually been more conservative play calling. And what's the worst thing that can happen to Kansas City before the end of the game? It's Mahomes getting hurt. I I expect the Chiefs to try to run the ball. And the more they run the ball, the more time that's going to come off the clock and the less time Mahomes has to throw the ball. And and that and I think that that's going to play a factor into this as well. Uh, so even though a few books have him slightly juiced on the over for the completions, because I get the whole short passing game thing. Uh, again, I agree with you. Wait at this point. Just wait until Sunday. See where the lines go. Uh, but I think there is also some value there as well. All
0: right. We'll see if they come out. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I hope they do. Uh, you know, I'll try to go ahead and get a little piece of that. Well, even though there's no Mahomes attempts, I'm going to go and I'm going to play Burrow under his attempts. At thirty-seven and a half, like Chris just said, he thinks that Kansas City's probably going to come in here with at least a little bit more motivation to go ahead and try to run the ball. And I don't see Mahomes running any type of hurry-up offense. Do you, Chris? I mean, it's got to be, you know, let's take this one play at a time. And this is going to be more of a a close to the vest type of game, making sure that he's not out there running up and down the field, um, you know, hurting himself. Like it, I think it's going to have to be a you know pretty well thought-out game plan from them, and it's not going to involve you know, Patrick Mahomes running and gunning up and down the field. So I could see that hurting burrow. And if this isn't like a shootout type game, 37 and a half pass attempts is probably, you know, probably a good wager. I I think he threw 35 last year in the playoff game. And that went into what OT these games, it's tough to go ahead and start betting overs on on a lot of this stuff. The the way to go is is to be honest with you guys is, is to take as many unders as you possibly can. Probably never going to hurt yourself. So, I do like Burrow under 37 and a half passing attempts, and you can get that at even money right now on DraftKings. I'm not sure if you got anything with Burrow, but that's the only thing I had with Burrow uh, right now for that one. Chris, what do you got?
1: The only thing was just the yards over Mahomes. Burrow more more passing yards than Mahomes. You can get that offshore. You can also get it at DraftKings. Um, You know, with the Bengals, the only disagreement I had with you in terms of the Bengals mentality is like, they're not going to take their foot off the gas, but when they do get multi-touchdown leads, they did it against Buffalo. They went extremely run heavy in the fourth quarter of that game, and if that somehow plays out again this weekend, the Bengals are are probably going to do that too. They're not they 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 want to get to the Super Bowl and win the game. They're not worried about margin based off what I've seen from this team, in my opinion, because they could have got even more margin against Buffalo if they really wanted to. So I think that the fact that you've seen the success here's another factor too. Offensive line wise, is that Jonah Williams and Alex Kappa both haven't practiced yet this week, right? We're recording Thursday night. Uh, I actually hope that Jonah Williams, their first round draft pick from a few years ago, left tackle, he was their best offensive lineman last year. This year, he's been one of their worst, if not worst, on the entire line. I don't know why. He's just had a down year. Maybe. He didn't gel well with the new three guys that came in, Kappa, Collins, and uh, Karras. But when uh, Williams came out, Jackson Carmen, who's naturally a guard, I think he's a second-round draft pick from a few years ago, they moved him to left tackle. And he actually played quite well, and I've heard that that's more of a natural position for him compared to where they've been playing him in the first few seasons of his career. And also, Carmen is a better run blocker than Jonah Williams. So I think that's another reason why you saw Cincinnati have more success, not just protecting Burrow, but running the ball. So if that's the case again, and Carmen gets the start, the Bengals offensive line could actually be better than it was against the Ravens in the wildcard round. And I don't think many people are talking about that. Uh, so this line, no matter, you know, this, the narrative is still there th- that they're missing three starters off the line. But this line right now is, is a lot better, actually, than it was in the playoffs last year, where they literally almost won the Super Bowl. So I actually think that that could be an, a, another advantage for them is having their starting left tackle Jonah Williams miss time again this weekend. If, if he's out, then they could have more success running the ball, which leads to passing unders for both teams.
0: They, they ran so well against Buffalo, and you gave that group how much confidence there's going to be a lot of confidence uh, on that side of the football where they're just like, hey, look, go do what you did last week. And everything's cool. And when it comes time for us to throw the ball, we'll throw the ball. But, you know, at least you're, you're telling those guys, look, you know, go out there, do the same job. We're going to run, 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 set up the pass and everything's going to work. And I don't think they do anything really to confuse those guys. So, and, and I don't think you want to either. So uh, I do like Burrow under the 37 and a half passing attempts the show up two, Uh, The other game here, we got the NFC Championship game. Forecast of weather for Philadelphia at kickoff, uh, 50 degrees. So not going to be cold there. Uh, No signs right now of rain or wind in the forecast. Let me give you my first one there, Chris. Brock Purdy throwing interception, minus 135. The only thing that worries me, and we've seen this before, Shanahan will take the ball out of the quarterback's hands. And that worries me because a lot of people think that you can run on Philadelphia and I'll get into that in a minute. San Fran may run the ball rather well in this game, but I do worry that maybe Purdy just doesn't get enough attempts. Maybe somewhere around 26 is a max somewhere in that area and that's if they need him to be throwing the football. But I do worry that he, that maybe he doesn't have enough attempts, but this dude takes chances. He telegraphs a lot of a lot of throws and just look at his stats. Like this guy has thrown a decent amount of interceptions and has had, and has had a, a lot of near misses, a lot of scares. So look, Philadelphia—they're one of the best teams in the league at intercepting the quarterback. You, you, I mean, they're number one pass defense in the league for a reason. Um, you got Slay on one side, Bradbury on the other. Uh, those guys are, you know, finding their way to the football one way or another. And if Purdy's out there telegraphing passes or just going out there doing his normal, which to me is a little bit scary, uh, third string quarterback on the road. He's been at home the last two games. Uh, I am worried that, that Purdy shows up as a third-string quarterback. I said this on the podcast with Uncle Dave and Steve that the playoffs have a really weird way sorting out the bad teams, the fraud teams, and the second- and third-string quarterbacks. They eventually surface. The cream rises to the top, and uh, I don't I don't see Purdy um, getting out of this game without turning the ball over. So it's an interception for me with Brock Purdy, minus 135. Shop around. I found that one on Fandle. I'm sure there's better odds out there somewhere. But that's where I'm going with him, Chris. And that's the only prop right now that I that I buckled down and bet on Purdy right now.
1: Yeah, um, it's a tough one, man. You know, I think that these are the two best defense in the league here. For me, what I think of is that, okay, I know the Eagles brought in some guys midseason uh, to fill some of their weaknesses on the defensive line when it comes to defending the run. And they've been better since that primetime loss against Washington, where Washington basically ran the ball the entire game and just got first down, third down conversion after third down conversion. Um, however, if you're going to beat Philly, it's still going to be on the ground versus through the air, whereas on the opposite side, it's actually, for San Francisco, it's the opposite. It's You beat San Francisco through the air and not via the run. Now, I'm not talking about hurt scrambling. I'm talking about the running back, Miles Sanders. We'll get into those with the Miles Sanders prop in a little bit. But that to me makes perfect sense to where I'm gonna bet Hertz on the spread minus twelve and a half passing yards more than Purdy because San Francisco is a pass funnel defense. Philadelphia is a run funnel defense in the most basic sense of the terms. So I think twelve and a half, that's very close. I expect Hertz to have much more success when he does throw. I don't expect Sanders to be able to have much success on the ground, whereas on the other side, I don't think Purdy's going to have much success thrown against Philly. So that, that's how I'm going to attack it personally. I really like that head-to-head bet there. It's juiced slightly to Hertz at minus twelve and a half. It's minus one twenty on DraftKings. I also like them. Com- same prop I like for KC Cincinnati. I like Hertz and Purdy combined passing yards under four seventy-five and a half. I think this could be a grinded out defensive game. Teams, these teams might play things close to the vest here. Uh, as good as Hertz has been, he hasn't really been tested by good defenses like San Francisco. So, I would rather have Hertz in this situation than Purdy to an extent. I think this leads to an under passing game here, uh, to where I think that number is just way too high. So, I like Hertz minus twelve and a half passing yards over Purdy. In a similar vein, I like their combined passing yards under 475 and a half, where I could see easily, you could see this game ending with both quarterbacks under 200 yards each.
0: Yeah, I'm with the 100% that Hurts that is going to throw for more yards than Purdy. Uh, Sirianni's not going to take the football out of his hands, not with you know how successful they've been with A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. Like There's just no way. He's not just going to go out there and just say, oh yeah, let's hand it to Miles Sanders and run into a brick wall. Like, that makes zero sense. But I can also see Shanahan taking the ball out of, out of Purdy's hands for sure. Like, he's done that. He's he's going to do that. I'm, I'm almost positive he's going to do that in this game. So I love that bet. Where did you find that one, at Chris?
1: The DraftKings. But also I was told by uh, a few members of our Discord channel. Uh, this is another benefit of being in our Discord is that uh, apparently the prop builder, the offshore, you can get a bet online, Bavada, whatever. They all use the same prop builder tool. They also have these head-to-head bets too the whole year I give these out for free every week on DraftKings. Uh but shop around see what you can find. But yeah, the one I gave out it's it's DraftKings Hurts minus 12 and a half. Um so he has, to have th- he has to have 13 passing yards or more against Purdy for the bet to win, minus 120. Uh and again, like th- this is Football Outsiders, Philadelphia is the number one coverage unit in the league. San Francisco is top 5. PFF, Philly coverage grade number 5, San Francisco number 4. I know that some things have been made to where it's like, oh, well, you beat San Francisco through the air. They've had a couple slip-up spots in the last month or so, but they're still pretty talented, especially in the linebacker and safety core. Uh, So I I don't know. Like, Hurts has never – people say Purdy has never been in this moment, but Jalen Hurts has also never been in this moment. And the last time Hurts was on the biggest stage of his career was last year against the Bucs. And he played pretty bad in that game, too. And I know they got A.J. Brown. I know they're better. They're better here. They're better there. I'm just saying there's no guarantee Hurts just comes out in shreds. When you got t- – the San Francisco defense is as healthy as it's been all year. So I'm not going to discredit them either. Uh, I think both quarterbacks will struggle at times with Purdy. you know, the Eagles will, will look to Hurts to throw the ball to move the chains. And like you said, I don't think Shanahan will – put this game on Purdy's shoulders unless they absolutely have to very late in the game if they're trailing. So that's – I out of those two, I like both. If I had to pick one, I would definitely pick the Hurts passing yards over Purdy uh, out of those two bets.
0: Yeah, I'm with you 100% with that. I mean, I I just – the only way is if San Fran is trailing and they have to throw. That's the only way that I could see that, you know, mattering. The play I like what hurts, though, is, is his rushing yards over 46-and-a-half. Um, if you go back and you look through San Francisco's schedule their entire season and the playoffs, the only teams that they've lost to are against mobile quarterbacks and quarterbacks that can run. Now, they've lost four games all year long. And go back and look at all the other games. Those are pretty much stand-up quarterbacks. The four quarterbacks that they struggled with, Marcus Mariota, now he ran for over 46-and-a-half yards. Uh, Russell Wilson, who is a scrambling quarterback, he's mobile enough. Patrick Mahomes, another guy that's mobile enough. And the other one was Justin Fields. That was in a little bit of a monsoon, but that's what hurt San Francisco. That That's hurt them in the past. They struggle with mobile quarterbacks, quarterbacks that can scramble. And, look, if, if you know, you got Bosa on one side and guys on the other side and they're just blitzing him like crazy trying to get after him. One thing we saw early on in the season – Jalen Hurts has no problem tucking it and running. He's going to run in this game. I can promise you that. If Philadelphia wants to make the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts almost has to go over this number. That's that's where I'm at. I'm a firm believer in that. They need his legs to work in this game. And San Francisco, you know, they're going to give up yardage to a running quarterback. That's These are the teams that they struggle with, with running quarterbacks. So Hurts 46 and a half. I know a lot of people might think he's reluctant to run, but you put it all on the line. I mean, we saw Mahomes last week hopping around on one foot. Uh, Guy didn't give a shit. He's going out there and it's, you know, this is a trip to the Super Bowl. So you're either going or you're not, one way or another. So you you put everything on the line. I don't put anything past anybody when it comes to an injury uh, with those guys really putting it out on the line. Maybe, you know, if it's early or something like that, I get it. But especially, you know, halftime later on in the game, like these guys are these guys are are doing whatever they need to do. Uh, I'm not going to buy into, you know, he might be hurt, he might not want to run like that. That's just bullshit at this point of the year. So hurts over rushing yards, 46 and a half for me there, Chris. I'm not sure if we got anything else with hurts, but that's all I pretty much got for the quarterbacks.
1: I I just I I think that, like, everyone's talking about it. And and I just would be very surprised if D'Amico Ryans and the defense didn't come in with a game plan to shore that up just a little bit. Um, they're, they're aware of it. Let's, and let's also think back to like week one against the bears. Like that was the monsoon game and having Trey Lance as your quarterback, how bad he was earlier in the season before he got hurt, he was doing the defense, no favors either. So I, I would hesitate a little bit to be like, Oh, you know, they can't defend running quarterbacks the game against Atlanta. They were just bad. They had a bad game. Uh, you probably say the same thing about how Washington looked. I mean, how Philly looked against Washington on that primetime game when they lost their first game. I will say this, Sleepy. I, I know you could talk about schedule, but ever since San Francisco traded for McCaffrey, the first game they had McCaffrey, CMC only had eight carries, and that was the game they lost to San Francisco. That's when Jimmy G was still playing. Ever since then, McCaffrey's had double-digit plus touches, and they have not lost in a game. And if I had to have one quarterback in this game between Jimmy G, Trey Lance, and Brock Purdy, call me crazy, but I would rather have Purdy because we know what Jimmy G is and we know Trey Lance has not developed as a passer to be competitive on that level yet. That's how I feel about that specifically. And I think that, look, you didn't have Bosa in the game where they played against the Falcons and Mariota. And Bosa has missed a lot of time throughout the year. They've also had other key defenders, time, Dre Greenlaw, uh, Armstead, et cetera, and they're as healthy as they've been. So I'm going to give the 49ers defense a little more credit uh, for, for some of their mishaps earlier in the season.
0: Well, I'm I'm on the complete opposite side. If Jimmy G was a quarterback, I think that there's a good chance that they win the Super Bowl.
1: They lost three straight games uh, with, uh, or they, they lost all their games with Jimmy G, either Jimmy G or Lance, at quarterback, this year, though.
0: Right, and I get that, but there was no Christian McCaffrey. So if we're gonna upgrade this team because of Christian McCaffrey, then I think we have to kind of downgrade them from a third string to a guy that took them to the Super Bowl. They're good, don't get me wrong, but when you add Christian McCaffrey and you put a third string quarterback in there, I would much rather have Christian McCaffrey and Garoppolo and probably a Brandon Ayuk who who wasn't checked out, you know, a, a Kittle who. You know, he was hurt last year. He had a a pretty serious injury last year, Uh, a defense that's healthy, Bosa. Like, this team is definitely better than they were last year. But as far as that, like, if if San Francisco had Jimmy G, I would honestly probably, Chris, I would probably pick them to win the Super Bowl. Just because he's been here and he's failed, like, there has to be a a massive motivation for a guy like that stepping in being like, what more can they give me? If I can't win here, dude, I just, I, I need to retire. So, um, yeah, I, I, I actually would. That's where I would be. I would, I would rather Jimmy G in this game, and I would have probably actually picked San Fran to win the Super Bowl if he was the quarterback.
1: My, my only pushback on that is that Jimmy G went to one Super Bowl with the Niners, and he did not take them there. The defense and run game took them there. The scheme took them there. I think that Shanahan's scheme, again, we all know this. Like it's built to have quarterbacks have success that aren't as talented. Jimmy G's worst games of his career have always come under pressure, which I think Purdy, his mobility, if there, if he's going to have success, his mobility will help him that Jimmy G does not have. So I, we, can, we can disagree on that. I understand your take on it. I know I'm on a little bit of a limb saying that. I've never been a Jimmy G fan. I've always thought he's been overrated. I don't think he took them to the Super Bowl, but I think that Purdy – I don't think that Shanahan will ever put the game on Purdy's shoulders. And I think people want to frame it that way because everyone – most people look at these games through the quarterback lens. Like, well, this quarterback versus that quarterback. But it's not. It's the scheme. It's Shanahan. It's essentially Shanahan versus the Eagles' defense. And I think he's smart enough. I think he'll be conservative to an extent trying to run the ball. And he's going to try to protect Purdy from even having – the chance to make mistakes. So it, I think it really depends on how much the Eagles offense can have success to that extent. Because again, like you said, if this is a close game. 49ers don't have to drop Purdy back and make him throw. Although I do think that you can exploit the Eagles defense in the middle of the field with a guy like George Kittle. Uh, but you know, I know we kind of went off the rails a little bit. But yeah, I don't know. That that's my that's my stance on that. I don't know if uh the 49ers are 49ers are as bad defending mobile quarterbacks just because of those two games against Mariota and Fields back in week one.
0: Well, here's the beauty of this conversation, Chris, is that you're the only one that could actually be right here. Um, I can't because Jimmy G is not playing. So <laughs> you do have that in your favor. So we circled the, the wagons there with the quarterbacks. Let's jump over to uh, some of the running backs here. Now, obviously, you know, some of these teams are, are two, three deep. So if we don't really have much, I'll bring up the name, you know, and, and we'll, we'll get through them as quick as we possibly can. Um, Chris, I'll let you go first. Let's start out with the Eagles running backs. Miles Sanders, anything you're looking at with him?
1: Unders again, man. Uh, I like Miles Sanders under, uh, rushing yards. And I also like him under rushing plus receiving yards. When it comes to Miles Sanders, you look at the game, uh, from a few weeks ago. And let's just look at actually, uh, the playoffs is, Kenneth Gainwell's run more routes and gotten more targets than Miles Sanders. It's been one game, I know that, but even in the regular season, Miles Sanders wasn't getting that much targets. So I, I just think you get that little bit of an extra cushion here uh, when it comes to Miles Sanders there. So that, that I like both of those. I'll take a unit, I'll split a half unit on each one there. Um, now when it comes to uh, the, the run game, again, I think like, Look, we 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 disagree a little bit, but I do agree that if you're if the Philly if Philly's gonna have success running the ball, it's gonna be with Hertz and not with Sanders. And Philly has struggled to run the ball well with their running backs in certain matchups this year. Uh there's been I know Sanders had both games where he played really well against the Giants. Giants were one of the worst run defense in the league all year. So I think that was a matchup thing. But I, I don't expect Sanders to have much success here. I think it's either gonna be Hurts running the ball or Hurts passing the ball through the air uh, to A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. So, to me, it's an easy underplay. We hit him over last week. I'm on his under this week. And, like I said, I, I like the rushing plus receiving yards because, look, Philly's favored. If they're ahead, they're probably not going to throw much to the running backs. And even when they do, it's almost as likely, if not more likely, that it's the gain well as opposed to Sanders who's really never created a, a role for himself in the passing game. So, th- those are the two props I like when it comes to running backs for uh, Philly-San Francisco?
0: All right. Um, yeah, I don't know where to where to land here on Sanders. I'm kind of in the air with this. I think under probably makes more sense, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Sanders actually goes over. I think that with each and every game, these teams develop some type of motivation to, you know, have a good rushing game against, you know, San Francisco. You know, the one thing that San Francisco probably hasn't seen is an offensive line like Philadelphia's. Philadelphia's offensive lines for real. Um, And there's one of the reasons, you know, one of the biggest reasons why Miles Sanders has had the year that he's had. So I don't think San Fran's going to have, and, you know, and as easy as a time, um, you know, stop Miles Sanders as they have with some of these other guys. And I can go through the list and stuff like that, but, you know, they faced their fair share of, of really weak running backs and their fair share of some really good ones. So, I'm kind of just on the fence there, Chris. Um, More than likely, I'll probably stay away from that one. Uh, I'm not even sure if Sanders gets in the end zone in this one, to be honest with you. I just don't know. Um, It's tough. Like, you know, I don't think you want to mess around with, with, you know, running back overs, you know, against San Francisco. That's just – and I don't think they actually game plan for that, Chris, to be honest with you. I think they're just that damn good that that's just a given with them that they don't have to game plan a whole lot to go ahead and stop running backs like – I mean, how many quarterbacks have they seen this year that were, you know, pretty decent quarterbacks? Uh, not many, actually. And I'll get into that in a, in a little bit here, but they're, they're game plan more to, to, to stop quarterbacks than they are to stop the run. That's, that's just me. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell last week, Chris, monster game. Well, he had like, what, 114 yards rushing? I, I didn't see that coming. His yardage right now is slated for 11 and a half. You have any interest in that over? I mean, it doesn't get any lower than that. Maybe some, uh, maybe some catches as well or something like that. Anything with Gainwell?
1: No, because he's only playing when they're like really ahead. So they, they, he's never really had a big role when Sanders is healthy and if the game's close. So if, if like, if like you, if you think Eagles blow them out, then Gainwell will be involved in the second half of that game late in the game. So you wouldn't want it. That would, that would be a correlated overplay. I think it's more going to be a close game. Uh, and I, I bet Miles Sanders you when know, it was fifty seven and a half. So we did get a really good edge on that number when we gave it out in our Discord channel, it's 51 and a half at most books right now. Uh, and I, w- I will say this, when you look at Miles Sanders this year, uh, I'm going to point out three matchups, probably the three toughest run match. Let's say four, the four toughest run matchups Sanders had all year, twice against Washington, who had one of the top five run defense in the league this year, Against Indianapolis midway through the season, they had a very good run-stopping unit. And against Tennessee, you had the number one run-stopping unit. All right, 24 yards on 10 carries against Tennessee, 47 yards on 13 carries against the Colts. And then in the Washington games, he had 54 and 46. So against against maybe the best run defense he's faced all year in San Francisco, I like Sanders. I wouldn't bet it now at 51 and a half. But I still would maybe take a dabble. Look, you're betting late. You you didn't get the best of the number. More than likely, you're going to lose those type of bets here, right? But we're talking things out. Here's why I like the receiving yards under or the rushing plus receiving yards under combined. When you look at Miles Sanders, I brought this up. Like, he's not involved. Like, in the last five games, since week 15, Miles Sanders has played a full game. He has three targets in five games. He has six receiving yards in his last four games. If you actually look at... The fifth game, he had one catch for negative 13 yards. This guy is negative seven receiving yards in his last five games. So I would be looking to bet his – I haven't even looked at his individual receiving yards number. When I looked earlier in the week, I didn't see it. Uh, I bet the rushing plus receiving under, but definitely worth taking a look at the receiving. Even if it's like 10 yards, I would look to bet that because he hasn't had more than uh, six receiving yards in like six weeks. And he only ran seven routes in the last game. He hasn't run more than twelve routes in four straight games. Like that's very limited opportunity. And when he is out there for receiving plays, he's mo- he's more often than not blocking rather than actually running routes. So that that's my strongest take on that is to me, Miles Sanders will be the one guy that really has a hard time getting going. Probably next to a Dallas Goddard, who we'll talk about in a little bit here.
0: Yeah, it's funny you brought up Miles Sanders passing receiving yards because my buddy ended up having a prop. I think it might have been the rushing and receiving or maybe it was just his receiving yards or something like that. And uh, he ended up going backwards in that game a couple of times. And I think that that's the one thing that, you know, was different with like somebody like a Miles Sanders versus an Austin Eckler is that Sanders is catching. He's not even catching them like past the line of scrimmage. Everything that he's catching is behind the line. And, you know, that could be, you know, that could be bad against a team like San Francisco who's so quick to the football. So um, just touching on that there. Uh, let's jump over to some of the San Fran guys. Uh, we got Debo Samuel. I'm in line, Chris, thinking that he's going to have a bigger role here, that he's going to have um, – I think he's going to end up with a lot of touches. I think he might actually outtouch touch um, a lot of these guys in this game. But now, Christian McCaffrey has a little bit of a calf issue. Um, I saw him on – like, his usage was not as high as it normally is, especially in a game like – I mean, say what you want. That game against Dallas was really close. Like, they needed him in there, and he was on the sideline clutching his calf. Uh, I'm sure he'll get work done. I'm sure he'll be okay. But you do have to wonder if he re-aggravates that. But in my opinion, this is just watching San Francisco, you know, with all the Jimmy G teams. Like, Debo is their guy. Like, that's the guy. If you you need something, get it to Debo. He's going to get you what you need. He's going to get you the yards after the catch. I'm not sure about the rushing and receiving yards. Chris, right now on Fandle with 74 and a half. I would actually go ahead and play that one over. That's that's one of the, the few overs that I'll probably look at. But I I think we get more Debo here than we do McCaffrey. Now, I know that there's guys out there looking to play McCaffrey over, you know, 90 yards, 100 yards. Uh, I'm worried about that because Philadelphia is going to look to go ahead and game plan uh, against McCaffrey more than probably anybody because they honestly probably don't believe that Purdy's going to be able to beat them through the air. So I think Debo is the guy that's going to be able to mix it up a little bit more. Um, Guys that just been there more. um, I think Shanahan trusts him probably has far more plays in the playbook. So if I'm looking at at Debo with anything, maybe it would just be rushing and receiving over. It's a lean. it's, It's not even a like right now. I'll see what you say, Chris. Maybe you could talk me on it, talk me off it, but that's where I'm at with Debo
1: man you know like my only real angle on this game um you know Debo's just not getting enough carries I mean if he was like I know he can be really efficient he can break long runs I think the way you beat the Eagles is you stretch them out with the run game you don't just try to run it up the middle against them so I could see Debo having success uh in that aspect here but the problem with him is that you look at their two playoff games he has you know three carries and four carries so it's tough to play an over in that scenario for me. What I will say is that I I think I want to take the angle of that. I expect San Francisco to score two touchdowns in this game, maybe three. I don't know. That's just me. Um, I don't see them doing it through the air, man. Maybe Kittle gets in there, uh, because again, there's a mismatch to be exploited, but you look at CMC, Mitchell, and Debo, I think you could take, you know, take a half unit pizza bet, however you want to break it down throw a little bit on each of those guys and I that's the only way to me that San Francisco can score so I, I, I even if they get one through the air I don't think they're getting all their touchdowns through the air so if you even get Debo or Mitchell to hit CMC is like minus 120 but you can get Elijah Mitchell plus 400 you can get Debo Samuel at um plus 175 you can even get Brock Purdy at plus 700. You know, I would take a unit, if I want to have some fun pizza bet, I would take one unit, I would break it into four bets, and I would just throw a quarter unit on each of those four guys, and I think you got a really good chance of two of them hitting. Uh, that's really the only – I don't really bet touchdown props much, but that's the only real angle I see. I think the lines are right. Uh, I, I think that all those guys are fine. I know they're on the injury report right now. I think they're all going to play full game, uh, but that's the only, only kind of angle I see is I think it's going to be like a three-headed – rushing attack and um, you know maybe there is value on Debo rushing yards I just don't want to assume what Shanahan's gonna do I think there's a chance he features Debo more there's also a chance he sticks to those three four or five carries again and in that case I think the line is pretty much right in that case
0: you know what I think Chris and and I'm glad you you kind of talked through that a little bit because you kind of wised me up to something that I think might actually occur and and you just tell me if you disagree with this we're already kind of saying that we think that Shanahan's going to handle Purdy probably with some kid gloves, especially after the last two playoff games. Like he hasn't been great. He looked good during the regular season against all these bum teams like the Rams and the Cardinals and teams that had no business or or even any motivation to even win. So, yeah, he looked good in those games and ran up the score, and and that's, you know, overinflated everything with, with this team in general. I can get to that in a little bit. But if we think that he's going to be careful with Purdy, he's going to be careful with him down at the goal line and this is why I think Debo Samuel TD makes a lot of sense. I would not be shocked, and I'll predict this now. You guys could, you know, shout me out on Twitter at SleepyG underscore pregame. If we see Debo in the wildcat down near the goal line, just to make sure that Purdy doesn't have the ball in his hands down there, you know, in the red zone, and they cough up, you know, seven points. Now, outside of that, I mean, I think Debo certainly has a very good chance to score, but I could even see that being something, you know, where – Maybe we weren't looking at it, and like you were saying, thinking about what he might do. I, there's a chance that 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 occurs too. So I like the Debo. What'd you say it was like plus 175? I, I like that personally.
1: I like, and I could see them doing it with Mitchell or CMC Wildcat near the goal line too, because they they really hand, really trust Elijah Mitchell a lot. Um, CMC is so so versatile; like he could take the snap and throw it. Um, I, I think there's a lot of possibilities there. I also think there's a possibility where they have third down in the red zone and they drop back and Philly covers everything so well per you got to give Purdy at least props that he's a pretty good, he's pretty mobile and can scramble a little bit. Maybe he just scrambles in for one and you hit it at plus 700. So I, I don't know. I, I got to really think through that one. If I really want to bet all four of those guys, because obviously they're not all going to hit, but if you can hit just one on the Purdy or one on the Mitchell Mitchell's plus 400, then you profit on that bet. So, uh, That that's again that's my only take on the running back situation for San Francisco. I think they're live to score multiple rushing touchdowns. Who's gonna get them, man? It's Shanahan, the most unpredictable guy you coach you can go to when it comes to running back usage usage in the NFL. So definitely tread carefully on that one.
0: All right. So make sure you guys go to Twitter at MadJournalist at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Uh, Currently, right now, me and Chris, we have odd screens open, stuff like that. Like we're, you know, we're surfing around. If you guys do find like San Francisco rushing touchdowns, let us know what the over is. Let us know what it's set at. At one and a half, Chris, even if it's like minus one forty, would would you feel comfortable betting it over? Because like you're saying, like CMC could get it. Could be Mitchell. Could be Debo. Could be Purdy. You know, it could be anybody. It could be Ayuk with a sweep. It could be something. At one and a half rushing touchdowns. That sounds like a pretty good over, don't you think?
1: I would I would strongly consider it. My again, we haven't talked about tight ends yet. My only concern is Kittle. Uh, Kittle has a plus matchup in this game. Very talented tight end, so he would be the one guy that would ruin it if it happened. But uh, I would definitely strongly consider that prop.
0: All right, um, with Debo out of the way, let's jump over to McCaffrey. I kind of already gave my thoughts on him. He's not healthy right now. Um, I mean, it was apparent in the last game uh, with this calf issue. I think that they really look to mix it up, and if if the Eagles are going to look to slow down one person in this game, I can guarantee you, it's going to be McCaffrey, and then it will probably be Debo second. That's just where I, where I believe that Philadelphia's defensive, you know, their game plan is going to lie with those two guys. So I, I'm not touching McCaffrey um, overs. I'm not touching him unders. That dude's dynamic. You know, he could break a couple runs. He can catch a couple passes before you know, it. boom, he has 90 yards on you. Um, seen it, been there, done that. So I'm just staying away from CMC altogether, Chris.
1: Philly is bottom 10 in the NFL in uh, – let me say how to say this right. They're bottom 10 in the NFL when it comes to defending running backs in the passing game. So that is one way for San Francisco to attack Philly. Philly is uh, 14th in run defense according to PFF. Again, I think probably a little higher because they added some pieces during the year. Philly's also 14th or 15th in tackling grade according to PFF they're also 24th in receiving defense against running back so my only thing here is like think about those three things i just said that's the strength of san francisco's offense is the running game the run after the catch aka take advantage of ba- uh, of mediocre tackling teams and then pass it to cmc out of the backfield so i think that the ingredients are there to where if san francisco has success that's how they will do it. Will it happen? I don't know. But if they if, if it does happen, I think it'll be through those avenues there. So I think if you're going to bet any CMC overs, it only can be through the receiving game and not through the actual running game.
0: All right. Um, what about Mitchell? Any thoughts about Mitchell?
1: There's no lines because we don't know the exact health of CMC, I guess. You can still bet CMC props. I don't see any rushing props on Mitchell. Uh, my In my opinion – I think they're going to go all out to use McCaffrey if they can. Um, you know, maybe the carries are split 50-50, but McCaffrey will be on for probably almost every single third down, two-minute drill. So, you know, I, I think they had the luxury. of like they They really were never trailing big against Dallas, and especially in the second half, they had that short lead. They were comfortable enough going to Mitchell while saving McCaffrey you're not saving anyone at this point you're on the road you're playing against the number one seed i think you got to go all out with cmc in this game so i I would be surprised if mitchell got as much run but we don't know the health we actually don't know the health of either of them because they're they're both on the injury report i think they're both going to be full goes i'd be surprised if we saw anything else but uh again like i'm not betting any really overs in this game when it comes to these guys uh rushing receiving i think the market's pretty strong uh, pretty set in that aspect. So, uh, I'm only looking at these different, you know, these head to head props, touchdown props, there might be a little value here and there. If you can correlate some things together.
0: All right. Well, good stuff with that one. I will say this though. And, and Chris, I do, I do want to rattle off some running backs for you here, because I do want to kind of dispel a little bit of a, a notion that people have is that Philadelphia's rush defense isn't good, but let me just rattle off some, some running back numbers. And you just tell me, you know, if if you would want these guys on your team, uh, Dalvin Cook, Travis Etienne, uh, James Conner. Let's maybe the the Zeke and Pollard backfield. Najee Harris, Damon uh, Damon Pierce. Maybe the uh, Brian Robinson, Gibson, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, maybe how about the AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley twice. Um, K- Kamara, Montgomery. Uh, those are the running backs that, that the Eagles have had to play. They've played. I don't want to say. Top running backs, but I mean, they haven't had a a cakewalk of a running back really all year, um, outside of maybe maybe Washington. But Chris, when I just rattled off all those names, were you were you thinking like you know not not a bad list of running backs versus you know uh, you know some of the running backs that we've seen out there?
1: Well, I want to put it in context how I look at it. Um, I want to look at midway through the season when when Philly lost their first game against Washington. And in that game, look, like again, I know they had some pieces, but Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, Curtis Samuel, Taylor Heineke, 10 yards. They combined for 152 rushing yards in that game. Dominated time of possession. The following week against the Colts, the Philly only beat Indianapolis by one point in that game. Jonathan Taylor, 84 yards rushing in that game. The week after that against Green Bay, uh, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones combined for 100 plus yards rushing in that game. They blew out the Titans. Titans can't run the ball when they're from behind. Okay. Barkley was very inefficient in the second half of the year running the ball. So I, w- I don't even want to look at those two games. And they only played against him once because he didn't play in the week 18 game. Then when they played the Bears the week after that, Dave Montgomery, he had 12 carries, 53 yards. Fields ran for 95 yards. So the Bears as a team ran for 157 yards against the Eagles. Uh, then they played the Cowboys with Minshew. And then, again, with Minshew against the Saints when they lost, but look in that game, Camara, 73 yards, Taysom Hill, 46 yards. Saints ran for 129 yards in that game. So you can – I'm not saying the Eagles are a bad run defense, but it's easier to beat them that way than it is going against Slay and Bradbury on the edge, on the outside with the receivers. So that's my only argument there. They've they've been, I would say – I think they're, like, mediocre at best against the run.
0: Disagree with you that they're they're certainly an above-average run-stopping defense. The issue with Philadelphia is that you can't throw. You have to run on that team. So, yeah, hey, you know, they give up 138 yards. But look at their pass defense. Like, it, if you look at San Fran's rush defense, well, then their pass defense is going to look like it's not all that great. So it kind of goes one way or the other, but I think
1: this is the best run offense that in the league, you could argue, right? San Francisco.
0: By far. Yeah, for, for sure. For sure. I mean, this is going to be the Eagles toughest test, but I think that the stats people look at the stats and they're just like, okay, 18th in the league in rushing. Oh, they're not that good of a rushing team, but a lot of people forget like they've played a lot of star studded running backs. You can't pass the ball. So you have to run the ball. And not only that I watched every single play of Philadelphia this year there, there were so many games where they were blowing teams out where the other team was just running the ball. Philly's like, we don't give a shit, dude. We're up 38 to 10. Like, go ahead and run the ball all you want. We know you just want to get out of here. So there were a lot of garbage time yards there too. If people are saying Philly's 15, okay, great. They're Philly's 15. But in reality, they're probably more like 10.
1: All the games I mentioned were all games that were decided by a touchdown or less or that lost.
0: And and don't get me wrong. There, there were games that, that that were decided that were close. But, again, you just you – know, you can't have guys back there like Heineke or whoever the Colts had and, they're like, guys dropping back, throwing the football. You know, they, they play the Texans and shit like that. Like, But they, they the, the best players on those teams were actually their running backs, which is, you know, it, it it is what it is. But I'm just saying from a person that watches Philly every week, I know that their run defense, it's not as bad as, as the media and some of the talking heads are making it out to be. You can run on Philly because you can't pass. It's the only thing you can do. All right, well that's that. So I just wanted to go ahead and get that out because that was that was one thing that was kind of bother me. Uh, so Chris, we're at an hour, so we're gonna get through this in maybe another half hour. We got a couple more running backs to get to. Your guy, Joe Mixon, had a really good week last week. I don't have any props with Mixon right now. I, don't, I haven't really got to the Bengal running backs yet, but Mixon, what do you got?
1: Um, I think the market's pretty efficient here again. The the bet that I made again, going back to the head to head. Uh, market. Uh, this is an interesting one here. I bet, and this is we're going to talk pass catchers, receivers, and tight ends together next. After this, we can save a little bit of time. But um, I bet Joe Mixon and Juju Smith-Schuster combined rushing plus receiving yards under 134 and a half. That's my only bet when it comes to the uh, Bengals running backs in this game. I will say that I mentioned that Phillies. Bottom 10 when it comes to defending running backs in the receiving game. Kansas City's bottom five. They're 28th in DVOA receiving defense against running backs. They're allowing, on average, 47 yards per game receiving two opposing running backs. So Joe Mixon and Samaje P Run are both live in DFS when it comes to like PPR DraftKings formats for showdown, two-game contests, whatever you want to play. Um P Ryan's getting. Almost just as much snaps as Mixon is, even though he's not getting the same amount of touches. He's involved in the two minute drill. Uh, He's involved on third downs because they like his pass blocking as well. So I like P Ryan and Mixon to have success with the touches that they have in this game. Uh, I'm that bet for me is more of like being down on Juju. Juju's role in the offense, I think 134 and a half is a lot for both these guys to combine to get. So. I'm not against Mixon, but that was one prop that I liked that stood out to me that involved Mixon. Other than that, like I I, I love Mixon for DFS this weekend. I, I think he'll be relatively under-owned for a two-game slate. Uh, a lot of people will go to CMC, a lot of people will go to McKinnon on the other side, but I like Mixon. I like P Ryan same reason as well. He'll be even more he'll be even less owned in DFS, even more of a contrarian play to use. Uh, but that's really my only take so far. I think the market's pretty set. When it comes to Mixon's receiving yards, rushing yards, etc., but again, I like him running behind an improved running line with Jackson Carmen at left tackle uh, in place of Jonah Williams. There,
0: I don't know if maybe it was because maybe it was just because the Bengals were slaughtering the shit out of the Bills last week that they they really seemed to go ahead and give the ball to P. Run on the ground. He had seven carries or something like that, I think, last week, but.
1: A lot of them came later in the game.
0: Yeah, and I think it was just because it, maybe it's just ball security. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why they would why they would do that. But oh, uh, it kind of raised an eyebrow to me. But I mean, we've seen Piran in these in these type of games. He'll you know, come up monstrous. I mean, they don't get to the Super Bowl without Piran on this team last year. That and a lot of people probably don't know who the hell he is or or anything like that. But you know, Chris, you know firsthand that you know this dude was he was critical to that team last year. I don't know what to do with him either. You know, maybe I'll think about it. Uh, maybe a rushing and receiving yards over or something like that. But a lot of that blowout could be kind of knee-jerk reaction to me, thinking, like, he's going to get more touches than he actually is. So, um, and, and, obviously, they're not going to do what they did, you know, to the Bills to Kansas City.
1: Yeah, well, Mixon had 20 carries. Let's not forget that. He had 20 carries. Piran had seven carries. Uh, the thing that you like about Piran is that he was exclusively used on, in the two-minute drill. So they had that they had that they had that one minute drive at the end of the first half. P Ryan I think had three catches on that drive alone when they were trying to get in the field goal no range but couldn't. Um, so you know he got five targets. Mixon had three targets. I, Mixon's gonna get targets too. Um, let, let's not forget these guys uh, were teammates in college at Oklahoma. Both are very good college backs. I really like the tandem between these two guys because they're they both can run and 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 catch at the same time and make big plays with the ball in their hands. So. Uh, I think you'll see a similar type of carry split where Mixon's getting 75% of the running back carries, but the snaps are more like 50-50 because P. Ryan's probably going to run more routes and maybe get uh, a couple more targets than Mixon. So I think they have clearly, clearly defined roles on this team. I, I I don't know. I think the one of the biggest mistakes you can make, I learned this last year, is running back receiving props uh, are the most volatile out of almost any prop because they're very uh, reliant on game script. And when you try to predict game script for a lot of props, you can things can be flipped sideways and go the other way. So I hesitate to look at, oh, Piran had five targets last week. Let's bet him over receiving. Like, I'm not really thinking like that, especially when the, the line is so close. I don't know if Cincinnati is going to need to fall from behind and just check it down. I think the biggest advantage that the Bengals – passing game has is on the is with their receivers so i think they're going to look to attack kansas city that way but i i wouldn't be surprised to also see them use the running backs in the short game especially because of what i just mentioned that kansas city is 28th out of 32 nfl teams in dvoa against running backs in the receiving game so i'm still looking there haven't bet anything yet uh but that's kind of my overall take on how this backfield's shaping out for this game all right
0: um let's switch over to pacheco and mckinnon I hit this early. I, I liked McKinnon over his, his rushing and receiving yards. It was like 57 and a half. It's uh, right now on FanDuel. Let me take a look here. It's, it's 63 and a half. So I, I got the best of that. If you go back to what happened in the second half last week, and look, I get it. It's a, it's a different week. But Isaiah Pacheco was literally not on the field a whole hell of a lot. It, it turned into McKinnon because they realized if we need to throw the ball and get it short, you know, we got to get it to McKinnon. Um, I don't know what to make of him this week. I would probably take like I don't want to take any I don't want to take any Pacheco unders. I already got a good bet in here on McKinnon. I think the wager that I would probably like most, Chris, would be most rushing yards in the game. Take Joe Mixon or pivot over to Jarek McKinnon at plus three ninety. I would skip over Pacheco. Like if anybody's going to beat me here, um, I don't think it's going to beat Pacheco. I think it actually would be McKinnon, and if I get like a plus three ninety. Uh, I would do that. You know what's funny, Chris? I'm sitting here looking at most rushing yards in the game. They have Patrick Mahomes at 14 to one, and they have Joe Burrow at 18 to one. Let's just say Kansas City wins the game, or or Cincinnati. Don't matter. You know, whoever whoever wins the game is going to lose yardage. But do you even see Mahomes even running the football? Like I think maybe a good prop would be look for maybe a Mahomes versus Burrow rushing, and just play Burrow thinking that, well, hey, if Kansas City right now they're a lukewarm favorite, you know, favorite, you know projected to win, um, and maybe we get some yardage taken off of Mahomes and he, he just doesn't – I mean, is he going to run? that That's the question.
1: They're not going to hang anything with Mahomes the <laughs> rushing. There's no way they're going to hang anything else. I'd be shocked if they did. i That would be hammered so fast. Whoever would see it first, any type of group, discord channel, uh, syndicate, like they would just kill that line. They would just smash it under. So I, you're not going to see that. But I, I mean, one bet that I like in a similar vein, where like I think Kansas City's going to come out a little more conservative than normal. Again, Reed's been known to play call conservatively in the playoffs in his coaching career. You add the fact that Mahomes' his health is how it is now. Uh, I actually really like Jarek McKinnon. That the this line's no longer available. We gave out for our premium props Jarek McKinnon over six and a half rushing attempts. Uh, Pacheco's lined at 11 and a half in a high leverage situation like this where we saw McKinnon heavily used in the playoffs in tight situations last year, I expect McKinnon and Pacheco's carries to be similar uh, just like they were against Jacksonville where it was like 12 to 11. So I don't understand why Pacheco's line so much higher. I know he's like the younger, more exciting, the way he runs, he runs angry, that's what everybody says, blah blah blah, whatever. McKinnon's still the veteran. They're going to trust him more on the field on important plays. So given all these situations, I would still lean over at seven and a half. When it comes to these carries, man, if you lose on the best number, you're you're really reaching for straws. So I wouldn't recommend betting seven and a half. But if I had to bet it, I would bet it over. But over six and a half, we got at minus one forty. It was already juiced over. I really like that. I don't understand why even now Pacheco is lined at four more carries. Than McKinnon, that one doesn't really make sense to me. Well,
0: I didn't want to go ahead and say that this was my play because I know that you released that early. But um, I agreed with you 100%, obviously. I mean, I gave out his rushing and receiving yards early. I think that the situation with with these two running backs is that Patrick Mahomes isn't healthy. And if he needs an audible out of something, maybe he sees something. He's like, all right, I'm going to get pressure from over here. Um, I need, and and I think, Chris, and correct me if I'm wrong, McKinnon's the better blocking back, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, a veteran versus a rookie in that situation, for sure they're going to have him pass block more.
0: Okay, so if he's going to be their, their pass blocker and Mahomes sees, you know, certain types of coverages and certain types of pressures, he's going to need to audible out and say, well, what's the safest way for me not to get clobbered here? Uh, I think Mahomes is going to realize, maybe he gets dinged up a, a time or two or something like that, and we go back to like that whole second half thing. Like I'm with you hundred um, percent, six and a half, very, very nice bet. And even at seven and a half, I would still recommend, you know, probably going ahead and playing him over because I think that there's a chance that I think there's a chance, Chris, that this is like a 50, 50 backfield for this game. Um, because I just think that McKinnon is going to be able to run those short routes. He's going to be able to, to be the guy that if they need the audible, he's going to be the audible guy. And when they're coming in to run the football, purely I think when you see Pacheco on the football field um, it's probably going to be more 65-35 that they're going to run the football that's just where I'm at right now and a lot of that just comes down to you know Mahomes health so I guess that's uh that, that's that'll wrap up the running backs there let's jump over to let's talk some tight ends there Chris let's talk about Kittle like that's the one guy that you liked in the San Francisco game when it came to pass catchers I'm with you with Kittle so whatever you say I'm with you with that one I think he's probably going to be the guy that that's going to have to exploit this Philly defense because I don't think it's going to be Jen Jennings. I don't think it's going to be Ayuk. Kittle's got to be the guy. It's got to be the running back. So, Kittle, I'm with you with pretty much anything that you like.
1: The only Honestly, man, the only thing I like is I like Kittle head-to-head against Goddard. You can get it on the money line. Uh, actually, not even the money line. You can get plus zero and a half Kittle receiving yards versus Dallas Goddard um again like the way you beat san francisco secondary if if you can beat them it's on the edge with the outside receivers or just with wide receivers in general even even running the slot like we saw with Ceedee lamb last week uh tight ends have have not done well historically against this defense for the last couple years we've had a lot of props under against opposing tight ends versus the niners even look at last week uh goddard uh schultz had i think five catches only 27 yards you look at the Seattle game. I think they combined for four catches about 25 yards. So you see the yardage number is very low because look, man, like Fred Warner is one of the best linebackers, if not the best linebacker in the league, in my opinion, you got, I think the combination, the weakness on San Francisco is their defensive backs. But when it comes to tight ends, tight ends are primarily covered by linebackers and safeties. I think San Francisco probably has the best combination in the league of linebackers and safeties where Philly has the best defensive back. So I just look at it that way. It's pretty – I'm going to keep it simple in that aspect to where Kittle has – I wouldn't say a plus matchup, but at least a neutral matchup against Philly, whereas I think targets can be funneled to Kittle because the outside receivers will be covered more often by Slay and Bradbury when it comes to Debo and Ayuk. On the other side, if Philly's going to throw the ball, it's going to be to Brown and to Smith, and Goddard's going to be covered by Warner – and the safeties they have there, which is going to be an extremely difficult matchup to exploit. So that's the only prop I have so far. I think Kittle's sneaky for a touchdown. I think he's the I think Kittle is the only way him catching a touchdown is the only way we don't hit those running back touchdown props for San Francisco. So I'm not going to bet the over for Kittle because I think the whole passing game could struggle there. But I do like him to have more receiving yards than Dallas Goddard. If even if they tie, you're going to win that bet for the plus zero and a half. Uh, I think at minus one fifteen on DraftKings.
0: The guy that actually, you know, really bailed them out last week was Kittle. I mean, he made a miraculous catch. Um, his catches right now at three and a half. It's juiced heavily to the over. They're basically telling you he's going to catch, you know, four catches in this game. So I'll, I'll be with you with that one. I'll, I'll certainly take Kittle over over Goddard. I don't want to get into why I don't think Goddard's going to have a monster game, but. I do think A.J. Brown and and Devonta Smith, you know, we're going to take plenty of touches away from from Goddard. But Kittle's got to be their go-to guy. That's just where I'm at with that. I've seen tight ends against Philly, and they've had some pretty big games. Um, What about Kelsey? I mean, dude's a monster, right? Right now, Mahomes is is banged up. He's going to go to Kelsey. Clearly, the Bengals' game plan is going to be, we need to slow down this guy and make him, you know, beat us with Valdez, Scantling, and Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but. No, right now with with Kelsey, you know where where are you at with him? I don't want to fade him because he can end up with another fourteen catches, you know, a hundred yards, something like that. Dude's good, so I haven't come down anywhere really on Kelsey as of yet, and I'm guessing his catches are probably six and a half. I would probably, I would probably actually take the over before I took the under.
1: It's just amazing what Cincinnati's defense has done against Kelsey these last three games. Earlier in the season, Kelsey had four catches for 56 yards. Then you look at last year in the playoffs. Okay. Different story. 10 catches, 95 yards, but the, the regular season game before that five catches for 25 yards. So in two or three games, they've held Kelsey under 60 yards. But again, the the one playoff game they had, he had 10 catches. So I'm not going to bet anything under on Kelsey. What I will say, I'm very impressed by this, by Cincinnati as a fan is that, they're out of the four out of the four teams left in the playoffs. Cincinnati has the best uh, DVOA rank against defending tight ends. They're number five in the league. They're allowing just about fifty some yards per game to opposing tight ends. So they have had success all year. And uh, Logan Wilson's pro- probably one of the best linebackers in the league that nobody really talks about very much. They also have a couple other talented guys: uh, Akeem Davis, Gaither. At an interception uh, in the wild card round against Tyler Huntley, and uh, we've seen Jermaine Pratt make big plays in the playoffs last year and this season as well. I uh, think this is a very well rounded defensive unit that I think is very strong in the middle of the field at linebacker. So, with the drop eight coverage I talked about, with those three guys there, uh, it's gonna make life difficult for Mahomes to find Kelsey. And you got to think about that. I think this is a factor too, Sleepy. We, we can talk about it now since we're talking about pass catchers. This could be the one game all year where the Chiefs need a Tyree kill and don't have him, and I think not many people are really talking about that. Everyone says, "Oh, Casey's better than they were last year," but Casey had Tyree kill last year, and if you're going to have a guy like Anna rumo scheme up a defense to stop Mahomes on a bad ankle, man, you really wish you had that one extra factor. Juju's been highly disappointing all year. MVS has been disappointing. Tony hasn't run more than I think. 15 routes more than one time in a chief's uniform all year. So I struggle to see ways. I think they're almost going to have to force feed Kelsey the ball, but Cincinnati is going to be prepared for that. So, so I, I'm torn. I'm probably not going to bet it. it's a pass for me, but that's how I look at that, at that breakdown kind of shaping out uh, again, like, and and he can have 10 catches for 80 yards and it's still a successful day defending Mahomes. So So I, I could see it going either way there for me
0: this Kansas city team is not as good as the team that was on the field last year. And I'm, I agree with you hundred percent with that. Like they need to have Tyree kill on the field. Um, and, and they don't have a guy like that. Now, at least I don't think like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I kind of turned the page a little bit here with Kansas city thinking like more pro Kansas city, the minute that McKinnon started to get involved. Like, I think he was, you know, he was kind of like the Clyde Edwards Hilaire that they always wanted. And he, he really helped them out. I think he's a big help to that football team, but um, yeah, th- this team's not as not as they're not as good as they were last year. Like I actually think this team, ha- and don't get me wrong, like they've ha- they- you got Mahomes, he can go out there and do freaking amazing things. But this team has played a lot of bottom feeder offenses. I mean, they they played the Broncos twice, terrible on offense. Tennessee, uh, the Colts, bad offenses or uh, terrible defenses. Um, t- the Texans, the Seahawks, the Raiders twice, Cardinals. Um, there's just, there's a lot of holes, I think in Kansas city too, the same as I see in, in San Francisco, obviously I'm on the opposite side, you know, of both of those teams, but, um, I don't believe this team's anywhere near as good as they were last Like, there's no way, how could you be, how could you be if, if Tyreek Hill was on this team and they, and they went from, let's say a Travis Kelsey to a Hayden Hurst would we be saying this team's as good? No, we wouldn't. I mean, we just, we honestly wouldn't. So. Anybody that's saying that, honestly, in my opinion, you're an idiot. So there's just no way this – and I don't care what the stats say. The, the, this team is not as good with Tyreek Hill off the field. If you think they are, then just take a look at what Miami did this year. Tyreek Hill was pretty damn good this year. So anyway.
1: And and, and, you, look, and you look at how bad KC was at covering the spread all year long. I mean, this is a team that has been uh, – they have not been exceeding expectations, right? They have a good record. They, they've they beaten the teams. They They've had some impressive wins, but they've been terrible against the spread. And that's a pretty good indication of, like, are you overrated? Are you underrated versus the market perception? And I, I, I get that all the hype's on Cincinnati right now because everyone's talking about, oh, Burroughs 3-0 against Kansas City. There's a lot more factors at play than just that. And this Bengals team is better in almost every area, especially coaching. We haven't really talked about that. Taylor's made big strides in his in, in this year as a coach compared to last year where I think he was more of a hindrance to the team. Uh, And you look at everything, offensive line uh, to defense. Maybe Kansas City's a little better on defense, but I don't think notably that much better. So, yeah, I agree. I think this is a better Bengals team. This is a worse Chiefs team, and Mahomes is hurt. There's a lot of things working in that factor as well uh, to where I don't think you're ever going to see a seven-point spread again like we saw heading into last year's AFC title game.
0: Yeah. Just, I don't know. Whoever said that I mean, honestly, it doesn't make any damn sense to me. Like, if you ask any defensive coordinator – Give me a list of 20 players that keep you up at night. Tyreek kills on that list. Juju Smith, Schuster, and Valdez Gantley. You're not losing any sleep over those guys. So I, I don't know where, where that came from, but that's just freaking idiotic. Um, let's talk some wide receivers there, Chris. Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown. I haven't hammered down anything with these guys yet, but I can tell you right now, overs is is where I'm looking with these guys. Devonta Smith literally just cannot be guarded. Um, he, I don't want to say he's the team's number one, Chris, and, and you and I could probably – have a debate about that, but honestly, I think Devonta Smith has kind of taken over the number one role, at least for half the games this year. Like I just, I mean, what did he have? A thousand yards this year? I think AJ Brown had a thousand yards. Like this is a one A one B, and it switches from week to week. So I really like Smith. I think that he he has a chance to go over yardage over catches. AJ Brown as well. The only thing that worries me about AJ Brown, and and I haven't seen this with Devonta Smith. One thing that Smith does. He will get separation. A.J. Brown doesn't get a lot of separation. And when he does um, have guys locked on him, um, he's dropping passes, he's being heavily defended. But I don't have to worry about that with Devonta Smith. So for me, I would lean more towards Devonta Smith overs than I would A.J. Brown overs. That's just where I sit with those two guys. Now, who they'll be matched up on in this game, I guess that that's a little bit of a question mark, a little bit of a mystery. I'll have to dig into that more. But just on the surface – I would be looking more at Devonta Smith overs than I would A.J. Brown.
1: Yeah, I mean, A.J. Brown, he was a little dinged up in the last game. Says it's not anything serious. I don't really think it is. Um, Man, you look at these two guys, like, they each have exactly 142 targets on the year. They're tied. Uh, They they, – A.J. Brown has about 250 more receiving yards. Devonta Smith has 10 more catches. This is regular season plus postseason. And Smith's run a little bit more routes than Brown. I think that's more because Brown has come out of the game a little bit more. But it's, it's essentially 1A, 1B, like you said. I think that, in my, in my opinion, A.J. Brown physically is one of the most gifted receivers in the league. Devonta Smith benefits from that because I think teams are more worried about Brown beating them, which Smith is so good. He can be a number one in his own right. He's going to benefit from that because if you're, gonna, if you're a defense and you're going to game plan – you can't ignore AJ Brown where I think some team, some defenses might really focus in on Brown and a little bit less on Smith, which is why you see Smith benefit. You know, we saw that back in the day with when Juju was in his prime playing with Antonio Brown, we saw Juju benefit from team scheming against Brown. So I think it's a little bit of that there, but yeah, I think they're both live for overs in this game. I have not bet it. I, I think the numbers are pretty high uh, as they are right now. Um, for this game, so again, like the way I attacked it was the Hertz uh you know uh passing line, uh passing yards line against Purdy. But yeah, I mean DFS-wise, I love Hertz double stacks with her uh hurts, the Brown, and Smith. Um, I will say this: I know we're talking about these two guys sleepy, but I bet Quez Watkins under. I heard Steve mention it on the pod the other night. Quez Watkins, I think, ran like seven routes in the last game. He was actually replaced by Zach Pascal as the third receiver on that team, he ran seven routes, uh, which is the lowest he's ran all year long. You tell me a team gets in a divisional round, their biggest game of the year, and you see a reversal like that. Quez has been relatively disappointing all year, and you've watched him more than me, but it makes me think that like they're in a position now where they wouldn't have made such a drastic change uh, in that big moment I don't see it flipping back down was during the regular season against San Francisco. I think you're going to see at most maybe it's like a 50-50 split, a rotation between Pascal and Watkins, but you're able to bet unders on Watkins and even when he was running 20 something routes a game, he still went under most games often than not. This guy hasn't had more than 20 receiving yards in 6 straight weeks. The most he's had is 19 in week 16 and 19 in week 14. So I gave him out earlier in the week at 18 and a half. I think it's been steamed down a little bit. I also bet him under one and a half receptions, which at the time was plus 130. Uh, In the last four games he's played, he's at one, zero, two, and zero. So to me, I see the role change. Anytime I see a receiver running that few routes, I can only look under. So that's the only receiving uh, props I've played for Philly is Quez Watkins under receptions at plus money and Quez Watkins under receiving yards. All
0: right, I have no problem with that at all. One thing I know about Quez Watkins is that there's a particular number of plays in the playbook for him. Maybe it's two, maybe it's three. I mean, that's about really really all he's going to get during any given game. But for this particular game, um, I, I could see maybe him getting like one target. I mean, honestly, I think that that, that could be kind of what he gets, maybe two targets at best. Yeah, he's used you know more for like rub routes and, and and pick plays and just more or less just clearing space um than anything. And look, yeah, he's a deep threat. Like if he's going to beat you, he's going to beat you probably with one catch. But you know what, Chris, I'm sitting here looking. I'm sitting here diving through and, and looking at stuff. Devonta Smith over receiving yards makes all the sense in the world to me right now. We already know that you can't run against San Francisco. So Philly's going to have to beat you with the pass. Listen to what Smith has done. Um, let's just go through the last, like, five games. Let's go through the last six games of the regular season. Uh, 102 yards against Tennessee, 64 in a blowout, 26-point blowout against the Giants. Then he went for 126, 113, 115 in games that were relatively close, decided by 10 points or less. And then in the last game against the Giants, obviously we, we knew that Hertz was, you know, banged up with his shoulder and stuff like that. Still went for 67 yards. And then in the last game against the Giants um, in the playoff game where Philly ran them right out of the building, they didn't need to throw the football. He still had 61 yards. So he's gone over this number in five out of the last six games, and the two games that he didn't, they were blowouts. They're not going to blow out San Fran, at least many don't think so, but let's just say that that doesn't happen. I believe that there's a a chance that that actually does happen. But Devonta Smith to go over that number of 66.5, I like that a lot. I really like that a lot. I'll, I'll I'll say maybe right now my best bet for this game when it comes to a prop would be Devonta Smith over his receiving yards of sixty six and a half. Now that's on FanDuel. Shop around. I didn't get a chance to look on on DraftKings yet and see what it is there, but let me take a look at DraftKings real quick. Sixty six and a half there too. So shop around, get the best number. But I don't know what you think about that, Chris. But like I said, like it's like a a you know one A one B type of thing, but. In my opinion, like this dude hasn't what's he caught like eight passes in like the last four games of the regular season or nine or nine passes, somewhere like he has quickly turned into like the number one. I love what you said too. Like AJ Brown, he's like he's like the TO body type, and you got you know, string being Devonta Smith out there, and they're helping each other out. But I'll tell you, the guy that 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 right now is just he he he's growing up over overnight as Devonta Smith. Like, there's a reason why this guy was drafted as high, and I know he didn't have the greatest you know first year in the league, and a lot of that I think was due to the quarterback situation you know with Philly. But right now, like they're flourishing, and, and this guy, I think he goes over this number. That's just where I'm at with that. I'm, I'm convincing myself every every second I sit here.
1: Yeah, I it, it mean to me, it's it's one or the other, or it's both that go over. So I, I wouldn't mind placing bets on both. Just to kind of hedge a little bit and then I think more often than not they both could hit because that's how you attack San Francisco's defense and AJ Brown after the catch is is there's no one else like him in the league outside of him, maybe in Debo Samuel so and speaking of Quez Watkins, like we bet that under one and a half catches at plus 130. it's minus 152 right now at FanDuel. so very happy about the closing line value on that prop. uh there's still a few other unders like again for me, the only actual real best bet props I have are the two unders on Sanders I mentioned and the two unders on Watkins. I, I still am going to look for some more unders on Sanders in the receiving game, maybe even on Gainwell. Uh, but I, I still got to sort through some things there. But, yeah, I don't hate Smith at all. I, 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 I There's a reason why he's lined at five and a half catches and Brown's lined at four and a half, even though Brown's juiced over and Smith is juiced under. There's still a reason there's that one catch difference there because the easier targets are going to be to Smith because he's going to find himself more open than not, as opposed to Brown. But yeah, I expect I, ex- I expect big plays from both those guys in this game.
0: All right, so let's switch over from that game. Let's go back to the Kansas City game and talk about uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Valdez, Scantling, and Tony. I'm not sure if you have any plays on those guys yet. It, it's hard for me to even consider an over with any of those guys, um, just being that I don't I don't know what the situation with Mahomes is like. You know, if you guys are watching the live betting screen and you're watching the game and we see that Mahomes doesn't look like he's healthy, uh, doesn't look like he's throwing the ball down the field, um, you could probably go ahead and maybe maybe take some unders if you're lucky because it, this stuff's going to get hit really hard. Uh, that I know. It, it's going to get hit hard. It's going to get hit really fast. Um, and if Mahomes looks good, you're going to see the overs get all jacked up too. So um, it, it's more of a waiting game and a wait and see. But for me, I don't want anything to do with any of those guys. Chris, now I, I hear some people are looking at Tony uh, for some specific wagers. I, I don't know if you like anything with him or not, but I don't want anything to do with those guys, at least until I see Mahomes, and I'll probably even just avoid the whole live betting thing too, because, um, I would rather just sit and watch the game and not feel like I have to, uh, you know, work any harder than I already am.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, you know, no overs for me. That's all I can say there. I mean, if I think the only over I would, I would place would be on like a Justin Watson, uh, you know, Justin Watson's a guy who's running more than half the routes every game. He's always getting the one catch for like 20 yards. You can bet him over eight and a half, not a bet for me, but if I had to bet an over as random, as random as it sounds, I'd probably bet him. Uh, I don't understand the Tony stuff, man. Like I, I know like he could score a touchdown, Like people are expecting him to have that game. He had with the giants like a year and a half ago where he had like 15 targets. Like he didn't even run 15 routes last week for for the Chiefs. And and Hardman's supposed to be back this weekend. I don't know if he's going to play, but he's practicing. And Tony's more of like a gadgety slot type of guy. That's exactly what Hardman does. So if he ran 12 routes last week and Hardman plays and they're in a high leverage situation, like I don't really think they trust Tony all that much uh in terms of route running, pass blocking, all these things. So I could not bet an over on Tony ever in this game because of that. Just looking at the numbers. Uh, I actually bet an under on him, though. I did bet Tony, uh, this is in our free uh, betting channel, I bet him longest reception under 17.5 yards. And the reason I bet that is everything we've talked about so far is that Hardman's back practicing. It's likely to cut into Tony's already limited snap and route roll. In the last two games for Kansas City, uh, Tony has run nine routes and twelve routes. That's a part. That's a very, very, very part-time player. Uh, Mahomes' targets are likely to be shorter than usual, which means the under-long reception is the way you want to go with that. Bengals are going to be dropping eight, so everything's going to be underneath. Uh, And so, to me, it's just like, yeah, you could break one loose, but Bengals are a top-five tackling team in the league too. Uh, How about this, Sleepy? It's my last note on on this prop is that uh since joining the chiefs tony has played in eight games he's gone under this longest reception prop in six out of eight games so that to me is how i want to attack it i would i would consider only unders for tony but the one i like the most is the under 17 and a half longest reception because he's not even being used in that way and when he is used he's only running like 10 routes a game so everything to me points under for that prop
0: So you got Chase Higgins and Boyd. I'm not sure which direction you're going to go with these guys. I haven't buckled down on these guys yet. I have a feeling just because obviously you guys have been listening to this podcast know that I'm, you know, pro Bengals all of a sudden. You know, Chris sent me an Icky Woods jersey. I became a Bengals fan overnight. Um, So I don't know. I, I, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, they're all going over because obviously that's not going to happen. But I'm not sure where you fall in line with these guys right now, Chris. Obviously, I hope they have a big game. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. But um, yeah, I don't know. What what are you making out right now with the with the Bengals wide receivers?
1: I mean, I think I think the market's pretty efficient here. I mean, I I, I could only look over for Chase and Higgins. How you beat the Chiefs? Their biggest weakness is similar how we talked about with San Francisco is the the boundary the boundary receivers. Uh, they got a couple of rookies out there, and if Burrow gets any bit of time, man, Chase and Higgins, especially if the Chiefs blitz and the Bengals can pass protect halfway decent. There's going to be big opportunities for Higgins and Chase to have big plays in this game. Uh, I don't understand this head-to-head line because I know Higgins has had a couple down weeks, but I love T. Higgins. Minus 9.5 receiving yards over Juju smith Uh Juju runs almost all his routes out of the slot, and he just frankly is not earning targets as a skill, and Juju has not had more than four targets in over a month in a game. So I I I don't think that like I think that's a trend there. He hasn't had more than three catches in the game in over a month. Um I, I just I don't understand like how you beat KC is through the air and T. Higgins is one of the top two options there, and Juju's only getting like two, three targets a game. I, I would I would make that line like minus twenty for Higgins over Juju. Uh and I, I would look to Juju unders as well, but I think this is my favorite way to attack it. Is T. Higgins head to head on the spread minus nine and a half receiving yards against juju uh that's the only prop i played in this game i also forgot to mention earlier uh, uh it's at 58 and a half now but i do like mixing over 56 and a half rushing yards because that offensive line with jackson carmen and left tackle like we talked about uh and in the last game the other the only one that i forgot to mention was i do like dallas Scotter as well under his receiving yards at uh 46 and a half but uh that's it for me, man. I, I, I love the Eagles receivers and the Bengals receivers. I think the lines are pretty accurate, so I'm going to invest heavily in them in DFS and any type of head-to-head action I can get with these props, T. Higgins versus Juju, Kittle versus Goddard. like Those are the ways I'm looking to attack rather than just looking to over-under on the individual player line.
0: All right. Um, let's finish up with the last two wide receivers, and then we'll jump over to some defense and special teams. So the last two are gonna be Ayuk and Jennings. You have any any thoughts with those guys at all?
1: If if it was like if it's a gun to head, you gotta bet it. I, I would I would I would look to bet Jennings over. I mean, it's like he's probably gonna have that typical two catch, 27 yard performance. Uh again, if you're gonna beat Philly, if you're gonna complete passes against Philly, it's gonna be middle of the field, tight end, slot receiver. The thing with the 49ers though is that Jennings is technically their slot receiver. But if you look at the slot routes after every game, uh, Ayuk, Debo, and Jennings like literally run the same amount of routes out of the slot like every week. So uh, I don't want to be like – you know, Juju on the other hand, he's running like almost all the routes out of the slot. So is Kelsey. Uh, but Jennings is like – Ju. it's like minus 190 I think to get Jennings over one and a half catches. Like I could see that, yeah, but like I'm not going to bet it though. So not- nothing for me on that. But if I had to go somewhere, I think Jennings could be a little sneaky. Maybe as like a cheap DFS option, uh, even though I do lean under for that game overall. So th- that, that's really my only thoughts there.
0: I guess we'll close up here. Let's talk some defense and special teams. I do have two, two plays that you guys might want to consider. As I said about the Kansas City game, like it's going to be freezing cold there. It's going to be about 18 degrees there. So maybe you look for some yardage. Maybe you look at, at some kicking unders in that one. Um, the other one that I actually do like, though, is... I would consider going ahead and maybe playing Bengals middle linebacker, Jermaine Pratt, to go ahead and go over his tackles of six and a half. He's their middle linebacker. And I actually think that if you go back to like last week where it was a snow game, um, there, there was very, very little down the field from the Bills. I And, and if Mahomes is hurt, everything's going to be in front of that line of scrimmage. I think that that's going to help the linebacker. Not only that, I do think that that, you know with an injured quarterback who's not going to be he's not going to be able to be as, you know, he's not going to have that freakish athletic, you know, juke moves and stuff like that. Like I think Mahomes is going to telegraph some of the stuff that he's doing just because he's not as nimble, you know, as he always is, you know, able to, you know, make a quick pivot and go this way and go that way. Um I think it's going to be pretty much, you know, here's where we're going with the football. Uh and maybe even telegraph some stuff. So I think Jermaine Pratt, middle linebacker for the Bengals could go over his tackles which right now is set at six and a half minus 140. So you are going to eat a lot of juice there at DraftKings. But just shop around. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that, Chris, or, or the kicking props, but um, uh, it's going to be cold in Kansas City. So that's pretty much what everybody does. You know, they bet the you know longest field goal under, and they bet a, a lot of the kicking props under when it's just cold. And it could be a little windy there, too. I mean, they're talking like maybe like 10 miles an hour. So who knows? That ball could be as, as hard as a rock. So we'll see. But that's where I'm at with special teams props. As far as Philly and San Fran, uh, I have nothing in that game when it comes to, uh, you know, right now I don't have anything with uh, defense and special teams.
1: That That's an interesting one, man. You know what, I, I literally never look at tackle props, but uh, given like, like the whole matchup we've broken down in this podcast, I would say maybe I was looking at the lines right now, and a lot of the Bengals players are juiced over, uh, and that, like, makes sense. If the If the Chiefs are going to come out passing short, you're going to get a lot of defensive back tackles too. Maybe even some safety tackles when it comes to Kelsey, right? Because if Kelsey's getting double-digit targets, the guys tackling him are going to be linebackers and safeties. So I think there could be value on Logan Wilson as well. But maybe Jesse uh, Bates—he had eight tackles in the regular season meeting against Kansas City. You can get him over five and a half right now. Uh, I was trying to look back and see what he did against them last year. He had four tackles in the in the conference championship game, and then he had four tackles against. I don't know. Maybe it was just a one-game thing, but. I think there could be some value there. I'm not the, I'm not an expert on that. I'm the opposite of an expert in this field when it comes to props, but uh, I do think you're onto something there when it comes to linebackers and safeties uh, defending Kelsey, or maybe just uh, defensive backs racking up tackles uh, against the receivers in the short passing game, because Mike Hilton's minus 184 at Caesars for over four and a half tackles. So there's definitely something there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I certainly think so. And a lot of that just comes down to the, you know, the Mahomes mobility, and I think he will be telegraphing some stuff. And um, I don't know. But here's what I will say about Kansas City. They're going to have to they're gonna have to have block better than they've ever blocked probably in any game, you know, this entire year. I will say this, Chris. Last week, my man Cam Taylor Britt, my buddy came over. We watched the Eagle game together. We watched the Bengal game. I actually got him the root for the Bengals. Like, this dude's a diehard Philly fan. He don't give a shit about any other team. I had him sitting here rooting for the Bengals. And there was an interception at the end of the game. It was Cam Taylor-Britt. I had plus 850 on that. And I was like, you know what, man? I like Bates. I'm, I'm not going to take Bates. I'm not going to take, you know, Hilton. These guys are always the guys picking it up. And then sure enough, I see the interception. I'm like, tell me it's that Taylor-Britt dude. I didn't even know his name at the time. Like, I was just like, tell me it was what's his name. I, I think I was calling him Gardner Jenkins or something like that. And, uh, yeah, he ends up getting an interception. So I think it just out had a, had a principle I might have to go ahead and, and – maybe throw another couple bucks on that guy to go and get an interception so we'll see
1: hey man second round pick played in nebraska he's been good this year man Uh, he's he's filled in well for chadobia woozie who was their best defensive back this year uh again they got they got dax hill they took him in the first round at safety he made some big plays in that uh, in that game last week against buffalo also uh he he came out of michigan only 22 years old like if you look at look at the if if you have some extra extra time on your hands, check out this Bengals defense. Look at their like last five draft classes; they've drafted very very well. There was a big story that came out on their GM last year on being like one of the most underrated, uh, least talked about GMs in the league. And basically, what he's done with like a skeleton crew, where like the budget in their general manager office is like almost less than any other team in the league. And you look at their uh, – again, I mentioned Akeem Davis-Gather, Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson, Sam Hubbard, Trey Henderson. Like, these are all guys that are making plays every single week. I don't think the Bengals are the best at any area of their defense in the league, but I think you could make an argument they're one of the best overall defense in the league, top to bottom. Obviously, Philly is up there too. I, th- I think Philly's more elite in certain areas. Uh, but, yeah, Duke Tobin's the guy, the, the director of player personnel for them. Technically, Mike Mike Brown, the owner, is the general manager, but Duke Tobin's the guy I'm talking about. Um, the The personnel on the Bengals' defense very underrated, and when you combine that with Anna Rumo, he get he gets these guys to play. You heard Tony Romo mention a lot in the broadcast. The Bengals are very good at getting leverage on their on defense, uh, which enables them to be one of the best tackling teams in the league. So, so they're not a team that's gonna go try to rack up a ton of sacks rack up a ton of pressures they're going to rush three guys they're going to tackle well they're going to defend well they're going to be disciplined and I think that's why when it comes to like the DVOA grades uh the the, the tackle stat counts at the end of the day you're never going to see the Bengals all the way at the top it's just their style and how they play kind of that bend do break and at the end of the day that's been one of their most successful things to help them get this far in the playoffs so uh, I, I definitely like uh, what they can bring to the table here with guys like Cam and the rookies. You see the rookies playing well because they're in a good scheme. Cam Taylor, Brett, Dax Hill. So not really anything prop related with that, but I, I've been very impressed these last few seasons of what these guys have been able to do. One guy goes down, the next guy fills his shoes. Uh, definitely a very under it underrated defense that's peaking at the right time right now.
0: All right. Well, like I told you last year, as soon as you know the the Bengals lost the Super Bowl, I told you that they were going right back. So. Hopefully I'm right with that prediction. But, you know, one of the things with this Bengals team, and I'm I'm with you 100%, that this defense is very underrated. You know, one of the things with this team last year, and we talked about it on the podcast, their second half of what they did in that season last year was was nothing short of amazing. Teams could not score on them. I mean, they, and, and they're doing it again. Their last eight games, they haven't allowed over 24 points to anybody. And the only team they they allowed 24 points to was a healthy Patrick Mahomes. Every other team – under 24 points. So they're doing the same thing again that they did last year. And there's a reason why they're in the same position as last year on the road in the AFC championship game. Had they won a couple of those games early in the season, this team probably loses two games all year long. Honestly, that's probably where they're at, but uh, we'll see. So I'll be rooting for your Bengals, Chris. I'll be rooting for the Eagles. Um, That pretty much wraps up the podcast. Let me get one more, one more quick prediction out of you there, Chris. I want an X factor guy, the guy who, is gonna have the biggest game out of both games this week and if you had to pick one guy like this guy's just simply amazing did it all who's that guy
1: you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go i'm gonna stick to we're talking about offense or defense or either one
0: whatever you want go be a kicker maybe a coach kicker coach whatever whatever you want
1: well i mean i mean the obvious one is an with the defense I, i'm gonna pick a player i'll go guy we actually didn't mention at all um I, I like Hayden Hurst, man. Like, I'm not betting his overs, but I, that's not really anything anyone's mentioned. We were texting about it. Like, last year, the Bengals' top tight end was C.J. Uzoma, who's primarily a blocking tight end. And I know he had some big plays in the playoffs before he got hurt. Everyone was going crazy last year. Remember, oh, Uzoma got hurt. Like, they're they're not going to have their starting tight end. Hurst is a receiving tight end by trade. He's a former first-round pick. And uh, he's played very well. He's played even better as the season's gone along. And he adds that extra element, man. It's not just three guys you got to worry about now. It's four guys plus the receiving uh, – plus the running backs in the receiving game. So I, Hurts might not flash, but he had the touchdown against Buffalo. He might get you five catches, 50 yards, but he's enough of a threat over the, over the middle of the field to where it's like that extra half second that the defense can't focus on him as opposed to focusing on Chaser Higgins on the outside. So I think Hurst to me, is a major X factor. Uh, for the Bengals, that I think is going to give them another boost in this game compared to last year. And then in the other game, it's a, it's a really tough one. I I would probably go to George Kittle again. I I talked about his matchup, Uh, the way Kittle blocks, right? Best blocking tight end in the league, maybe even the best tight end with the ball in his hands yards after the catch wise. Uh, If, if uh, San Francisco is going to make any big plays, if they're going to move the ball all through the air, I think mostly it goes through Kittle. In the passing game, so in order for them to win, I think Kittle needs to make some plays. So I'll stick to the tight ends. I got Kittle in that game, and I got Hurst X Factor in the Bengals game.
0: All right. Well, since you gave two and one for each game, I'll go ahead. I'll do the same thing. I think the X Factor in the Kansas City game is is Andy Reid. He's going to have to figure out what the hell he's going to do. If Kansas City wins this game, I get it. Like a lot of it's going to come down. It's going to hey Mahomes did this and this guy did that and Kelsey did this, but. I really think that that the person that, that has to shoulder really all this is going to be Andy Reid. He's going to have to figure out an offensive game plan that's just going to work with what he has. Um, as we said, this, is, this team's not as talented as they were last year, and you agree with me. The Bengals are better than they are last year. So I think the X factor for the Kansas City game is Andy Reid. And the other game, I'll tell you the guy that's going to have the biggest game, it's Jalen Hurts. If he doesn't miss two games this year, right, he's in the MVP conversation. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, he wants to come out of this weekend having having the biggest game out of any of these guys. Um, I think he goes wild, honestly. I think he runs like crazy. I think he throws like crazy. I think Jalen Hurts has the biggest game out of any player this weekend. And when we look back um, on this weekend, we're going to go, Jesus Christ, Jalen Hurts is the dude's for real. Um, that's, he's for real. So we'll see. So there's our X-Factors. There's all our plays, guys. Good stuff from Chris and I. Uh, again, Chris and I will end up uh, – we'll, we'll link up after, you know, after the matchups are all done here. We'll talk uh, some Super Bowl props. We'll probably do, like, you know, more than likely we'll probably do two podcasts. Chris talk about maybe having a couple of guests and stuff like that. Uh, make sure you guys get over to Betting Predators again this year. Chris, are we going to do the whole, um, you know, super prop a kind of thing that we do with all our guys giving us our their best stuff?
1: Yeah, we're gonna have everything we had two columns last year I think about like 40 picks combined uh all over all of our friends the podcast the website over the years uh we're gonna we're gonna have props from yourself myself Steve uh smooth's gonna be in there uh hitman's gonna throw in a prop probably Uncle Dave and a bunch of other guys that if you've heard on different podcasts that you've seen writing different articles for us throughout the years uh the one guy man if you're listening to this podcast this late in the game tonight an hour and four. 45 minutes in, go to Dan's DM, Dan Rivera's DMs and his Twitter, and be like, Dan, what's your best prop for the Super Bowl? Because <laughs> it won't be Prop a without a prop from Dan Rivera. So that's a, I'll, I'll leave it at that. We we got all band together as a team. We got to get Dan Rivera to give us his best bet prop for the Super Bowl, man.
0: Oh, yeah. Dan's an OG when it comes to the Betting Predator podcast. You guys know that. We started that shit together. So make sure you guys get at Dan. It's at Dan Rivera 228 go in there and bust his balls, tell him, tell me, you want two props, screw it, not one, just two, best bets, so, um, but that'll wrap it up, guys, you guys know where to find Chris and I on Twitter, uh, at SleepyJ underscore pregame, at MadJournalist, again, BettingPredators.com, make sure you guys go over there, like and subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, uh, if you guys felt like you got some solid information here, uh, you know, leave a comment or something like that, maybe we'll read some of those out, you know, before the Super Bowl, when we have some downtime and uh chris i know you got the golf thing ready to rock and roll too so make sure you guys go check out the discord all that stuff like that like there's there's enough for you guys and you know a lot of it's free so hopefully you guys do well this week and i'm rooting you guys kick some ass hopefully our plays do well uh with that said i'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for the afc nfc championship games enjoy the games